This is Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. A very warm welcome to you all. I'm Gary Morton, and now, Let's Talk to Lucy. Hi, this is Lucy. Today, I am beginning what I hope to be a two- or three-day discussion with a wind-up doll. Yes, yes, you wind this doll up, and she does just about everything. She's a top star in the world of motion pictures, a much sought-after guest star on television, a sensational nightclub performer, a tireless worker for charity organizations, a beautiful girl, a beautiful wife, a loving mother. She does everything, and she does it well. That's why I want to find out what makes her tick. The name of this doll, Debbie Reynolds. Hi, Debbie. Hi, my goodness. I'm afraid to come on after all that. Jeep. I don't know. You've never been afraid of anything in your life. Why would no. you be afraid of that? Well, that's such a complimentary introduction. I don't know if I can uh, live up to it. It's all truth. You've already oh. lived up to it. You are a top motion picture star, and um, that just sort of comes naturally to you. I remember when you first started in the business when I watched you sitting around observing everyone and everything. Oh, yes. I used to sit and watch everybody. I still do that, though, I know. because I really think you, you, you learn so much. It's really like a lesson. I know you do that. I've, I've watched the uh, machinery go around while you've been observing someone whom you admire. Well, you particularly. I used to... Uh, Did you? I, I had more time, and I used to watch you work a lot. Oh, sure, I didn't. you see, I'm I very, didn't know you were watching I'm me. I'm very sneaky that way. <laughs> no, you're not <laughs> sneaky. That's one thing uh, you are not. Uh, most everything else you are, but you're not sneaky. No. I guess you're about the most open and above-board person that I know. It's just that... Well, other than you or Agnes Moorhead, there are a few people that really are just very candid and outspoken and say what they have to say, which I'm much... I prefer, and I respect someone like that much more. I like to know what everyone feels about me and what they're thinking, and I think it's better to have your cards right on the table. I think uh, why you have any, any trouble at all, and I say trouble, that's not really the right word, but if anyone could ever call you anything but open and above board and uh, the, the soul of honesty, it's that they just cannot believe that anyone that looks the way you do, that tiny bundle of beautiful womanhood that you are, they just can't believe that all of this talent and all of this energy and everything comes from one so tiny and so beautiful. And you do do a, a great deal that, that people just wonder at. They're in awe of things that you do. And by well, now you know that's the truth. say that. No, I find that uh, years ago... When I had not, I didn't have the family, and actually I had much more time. So I could go to parties and I could take more lessons and I, can do, I could do a lot more for just say, let's say myself. But now when I have the children and I have my family, my home and everything, it, it takes a lot of doing. You know, you have a lovely big home to run and it's, uh, it just doesn't happen by itself. And when you have a husband who's a businessman and he has a life all of his own and you have to plan the menus and run the house and keep all that in going smoothly, and I'm terrible at that, so it really takes a lot of work from me. Uh, I just don't have the uh, time to give to the things I really would like to do. What would that be? Well, <laughs> it seems to me you get everything done. Well, I tell you, I find life very exciting, but I decided years ago, about eight years ago, that my life was so busy that I wasn't doing anything for anybody but me. And I didn't like that, because I thought, 
Well, in the, I'm going to, in the future, I'm going to look back and I'm going to say to myself, what did I do? And I wouldn't have done anything for anybody but Debbie and my children, which is, of course, of first importance. But what did I do for anybody else? Nothing. And I thought then that I'm just going to have to force my schedule apart, and I did, and, and I have time. There's no better reason in the world for doing things for charity than you just gave. I never heard it so beautifully expressed. Of course, it's a very old saying, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Um, the extent of your vitality, your energy, has uh, been mentioned many, many times in this town, and I, too, wonder about it. Is it your early training, Debbie? Uh, we know that you lived in a small town outside of uh, the town of Hollywood mm -hmm. and in that Burbank. you had a very normal uh, childhood. You were a Girl Scout, became a Girl Scout leader, mm -hmm. I think I read someplace. Yeah. You still uh, in the Girl Scout? Yes, well, Carrie, now my little girl Carrie is eight and she's a brownie, so now I'm active in uh, her work, whatever she does, I want to do. And I believe in the scouting program. The reason it all started, I owe what I have, I feel, today to my mother and father who were, uh, I should say, courageous or pioneer enough to leave where we lived in a state very poor and come to California. And my daddy came, by, first of all, all by himself with not one penny. Where were you from? We're from Texas. Oh. And, and a very small town and uh, very poor, period, that's all. And my mother was always active in the Girl Scouts. She led us, in a way, to doing these particular things, and she always told us, anything you want, you have to earn it, and you have to go get it. And so that's the way we've always done it. I mean, I used to set pins in a bowling alley, mow the lawns, do the, clean the houses. That's the way we made our money. And so I don't know any other way except to work hard at something, because I feel if I'm not really working hard, I'm not doing a very good job. And I suppose that's not really right, but that is the only way I know how to work. Yours is a Cinderella story, Debbie. Uh, did you ever dream, for instance, of being a, a big movie star? And you're one of the biggest. Did you ever dream of it before you ever got into the business? No, no, I was going to be a gym teacher because when you have little, you set your sights in a, an area that is not so unreachable because you can look at the clouds and they're quite beautiful, but you really never think of touching them. It's enough just to enjoy them, to look at them. And I never thought my, I love to go to the movies. I saved my money so I could go to the movies. Thank goodness my mother allowed me because our church didn't believe in that, the church that I belonged to, uh, that at the time asked me to leave when I came into the business, which was a great heartbreak for me because I've always been uh, a churchgoer and I believe in that and it's always aided my life completely. If I hadn't had the faith that I, that I have, I don't think there, there would have been many times when I, I don't know if it would have been as easy for me to um, have maintained a, a level on life and a happiness and an attitude. Your church does condone the, uh, the movies now, right? Yes, well, they've changed, you know. They grew up finally, it took a while, but they, they finally did grow up. Of course, I don't condone all movies that are made these days. Oh, I don't either. I can condone oh. yours, though. Well, I don't make any pictures that I don't feel that uh, my family or my children that I wouldn't be proud of. I just don't see any... I mean, it's not my field. I'm not knocking somebody else's particular end of it. I love comedy. I feel everybody has a uh, path or a road, and I particularly love that. 
and and that's and when I was starting, you and and uh, Desi were very sweet to me years ago and advised me a little bit because I had a frustration of uh, unfortunately being classed in an ingenue groove because they said you can't possibly. Debbie, be a comedian, because to be a comedian, you have to be funny looking. And I said, well, now that is crazy, because <laughs> the two finest comedians <laughs> that I have ever known and that I respect more than anything in the world is Lucille Ball and Katherine Hepburn. I mean, I just can't think of anybody more clever than they. Remember Carol and, Lombard? And lo Well, of course, but in th that's the problem I had and still do have a little bit. Debbie, our time is up for today. Will you oh, tell us tomorrow, wonderful. perhaps, about uh, how you got out of this? Uh, wonderful. Between, you know, I love to talk, so I'll be here. Good. Glad to hear you. Be with you tomorrow. We have been talking to Debbie Reynolds. Hope you'll join us. Bye. Hi, this is Lucy. And again today, my guest is the adorable Debbie Reynolds. Yesterday, I introduced Debbie as a wind-up doll. And I mentioned the fact that she does everything and does it well. And that I wanted to find out what makes her tick. So I'm taking a few days to find that out. Debbie, hi. How are you today again? Thanks for coming over, dear. We were talking yesterday about the fact that you had a little bit of difficulty when you first started because your sights were set on comedy, and uh, it was a little difficult to get out of the ingenue roles because of your physical appearance, which certainly looks like a little girl straight out of Cinderella. <laughs> what did, uh, how did you make the jump, Debbie? Well, when I started, I was very young, of course, so that was uh, natural that I play ingenue roles. But then after, now this is my 17th year in the business. 17th? Yes, isn't that awful? I shouldn't mention it, should I? Too long, isn't it, to tell? But I love to tell well, because I'm very proud. I love being in the business. So I uh, every year my husband says, don't tell the uh, you 17 years. But I started when I was 15, so you can add that up. Let's see, maybe I hasn't 17 years. That's, 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 I can't add. I'm, I can't I'm, add. Oh, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm a Leo. When's your birthday? Oh, I'm an Aries. I so can't it's the add. same sign, in a way. It's a very strong <laughs> sign. I never could even, You know, they have this new math now for the children, not to diverse, but... I just go crazy with the children to helping them with their homework. I because, can't do it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I've ha I had to go to school, and I got a lot of books, and I went to two classes <laughs> to learn how to show them what I already know, but they say it in another way now. That's for you know. sure. Well, anyway, I'm, I must say I'm, I'm learning all over again with the children. <laughs> but I would say that getting back to the original subject of uh, how you can... Uh, bridge certain crises in our careers, I would much rather go into something else than to have continued on playing just the straight ingenue who says, good morning, hello, and nothing, and very dull and uninteresting. Well, you certainly made the jump. What well, was I was lucky. How well, did you do it? Um, I think the first, uh, well, there were many jumps uh, years ago. Uh, at MGM, I was making musicals, and uh, Louis B. Mayer was there, and he was wonderful because he tried to build stars and write stories for them and to suit their specific talents. And then when he left, they went into a certain era, which I call the message pictures. Yes. And they didn't get my message. That's when I mm. left Metro. Is that what you... <laughs> they didn't get your message either? Well, no. you see. So I didn't work for three years during that time, which is an awfully long time. I worked. I was fortunate in a way now because I had all those years to study, which I did. Fortunately, they had all these marvelous teachers, so I just studied like mad. And thank goodness, comedies 
started coming back in, and they put me into a picture with Frank Sinatra called The Tender Trap, and that was a big, big help for me. Then I made another with Dick Powell, whom I adored, called Susan Slept Here, and that was a, another little bridge for me. And then I hit a groove for a long time, and only until, it's been three years ago now, I made a film called How the West Was Won, where I had a sustaining character. And she was able to go from a very young girl up to a, a woman, which was rather difficult. And Into not, her 80s, wasn't in, it? Yes, she was supposedly about 75 or It was a great performance, that. Debbie. It was fun to do. And I had started studying before that time very seriously on, on my acting because I found myself unhappy with that d development. Comedy comes very easy to me. I love it. I love doing shtick and pratfalls and all of that. Of course, you're the master of that, so you know I don't uh, hold a candle to you, but that's what I really love to do. And uh, so that I enjoy, and that comes easy, but the other I do have to work hard on only because I want it, and I, I want to be able to, to do anything that comes up. And then I was very lucky last year, of course, to get uh, the picture called The Unsinkable Molly Brown. That was my really big bridge. And now the roles are coming in and the, the scripts are coming in and they're what I want to do. So perhaps I've uh, reached a point now where I will find the roles that I love doing. You did two great uh, things in um, Molly Brown and How the West Was Won, and that was Perpetuate the Americana, which I adore. I do too. And when anyone tells me that they don't like a turn of the century in that type of period thing, I don't, never quite believe that they know what they're talking about. I think the American public is very, very interested in our origin and our, uh, you know, our, how we got here. It's entertainment. It's funny, I was talking to Clifton Webb the other night. Of course, I, I think he's a, an extraordinary talent and a great wit. And he said, Debbie, where is the word entertainment gone? in the film industry today. These decadent pictures, these all aim towards sex or um, you have to be... Deprivation. A, a, everything, you know. Degradation. Yes. <laughs> and he said, where is the word entertainment? Just a fun, light, laughable picture. Where An is it? An escape picture. People that can dream about pretty things and get out of their... Or love stories. You know, a wonderful, warm love story. When I... And I love movies. I go all the time. And now, of course, I'm very lucky we have our own projection room. And I'll sit, I'll sit at home at night and run movies. I'm just in my, as my grandma says from Oklahoma, hog heaven. <laughs> and that's where I am in hog heaven. Oh, I love to do it. And I sit there and just am thrilled. But not by uh, all. And I must say that I disapprove of the decadent pictures. I don't believe the American public is that. And I, I just feel that we have got to make a change. And I, I hate to think that it'll be through censorship by government. I think that our own industry must uh, rise and meet the challenge of entertainment and not just go along with what is the most saleable moment. They claim that the young people buy the most tickets. So to make the money, those who do not have a conscience about this business, the record business, and, well, the entertainment business in general. Or our country, for that matter. Uh, they're allowing the young people to dictate here again, mm -hmm. as they are in the home. Mm -hmm. And it is dreadful, isn't it? You see, I, the, ch the young people that I know now, I'm active in a lot of juvenile work down in Los Angeles in my spare time. And I find... Your spare time. <laughs> 
I thought yes. throw that in at you. I find that the reason the children are, the young people are so re- restless is because there's nothing to do at home. There's no guidance at home. There's no supervision. There's no discipline. There isn't a leader. There isn't a head of it. My father is still the head of our house, and you better not cross him because to this day he'll pick me up and give me a spanking. You know, now I, he might not, but then again, I'm not too sure he wouldn't. So even at, you know, at my age and with a family of my own, I still wouldn't cross my father. So and lack I, of respect that the, that is showing all over the world. I for parental so. authority, and it's because the parents are not using their authority. Well, I don't think the children will give respect unless there is a reason to respect. And I, I just think it's tragic. I don't know the answer. Of course, I think personally that one of the big answers is faith. And uh, we've gone away from the church a great deal. The young people don't go, don't believe in it unless the parents do. Because why, why, why are they going to go if their parents don't go? And there's a lot of activities in the church that are, take up time for the children in the proper way. Or if you don't want to go that way, there's wonderful activities in the Boy Scouting, the Girl Scouting, the Campfire Girls. And the parents, however, have to guide their children in that direction and uh, be active. In the community hospitals, the teenagers could do tremendous work with the crippled children's hospitals and in their extra time, in the summertime. But the parents have to guide them. If they don't have the respect of their parents, if their parents do nothing, naturally, why should they? They don't have any uh, uh, one to look up to. That's a wonderful way of putting it, Debbie. And our time is up again today. Can we continue tomorrow, please? Wonderful. I'll be back. Thank you. I've been talking to Debbie Reynolds. Please be with us again tomorrow. Bye for now. Hi, this is Lucy, and again today I have as my guest the adorable Debbie Reynolds. We've covered uh, various subjects in the last couple of days. we got a lot more to go to. Debbie, hi, and thanks for coming today again. I'm delighted. Uh, would you do me a big favor? Love it. Would you give us a picture of your home? Uh, of your home life. I live here three blocks from you in Beverly Hills, and I have two children, Carrie, who's eight, and Todd, who was just seven, and they go to school here in Beverly, and uh, married to a divine man that I feel I'm very blessed to have, Mr. Harry Carl is his name, who you know even before I met him, and uh, he's just the most terrific guy in the world. Why is he terrific, Debbie? Well, it's it's a funny thing. Friends of mine will say, you know, people are always asking me uh, if you're really happy, Debbie. And I say, well, how, what, what kind of a question is that? They say, well, I mean, people that don't know you and just read about Harry, don't know him, don't know you really, they say, are they really happy together? Because people think, well, Harry comes from an entirely different way of life than mine. He's a businessman. He's always been a a wealthy man. I certainly was not. I'm in show business. We have our family. And Harry was sort of known to be a go-arouter, which he wasn't, but uh, that's what he was known evidently to be. And we have our life together, of course, is marvelous because we have complete communication. First, we have love. Then we have great understanding, communication of one another's likes, dislikes, desires to do things, go here, go there, or not to go at all. Good understanding. Yes, communication simpatico. is always... Very, muy, muy simpatico. And he he is, uh, fortunately for me, has always been around show people and loves the business and enjoys show people. And 
So there's not any problem of where the husband doesn't want, doesn't understand, or doesn't want to talk shop about show business because he he really loves that more, I think, than than the shoe business. Of course, he wouldn't admit that. <laughs> and we have friends over of in shoe and show, shoe and show, the the double S I call it. <laughs> and he's uh, he's most uh, uh, appreciative of our business. And when we were first married, I asked him, darling, do you want me to quit? Because I will. And he said, good heavens, what for? I said, well, maybe it would bother you because uh, of my being in the business. And there's no jealousy, you see, there at all. There's no... He's very proud of you, I know that. Yes, he, that, that's the thing. And you the couldn't really quit, though, could you, Debbie? I would if it made him unhappy, and if it made my children unhappy, yes, I would. About this uh, being away from the children, we all have a little bit of guilt feelings about this, and we mm, rationalize yes. it, and we do the best we can, and there are millions of working mothers and certainly millions of working fathers who very seldom are with their children when on some of the important occasions. But how do you uh, feel about being a working mother? I get lots of letters about this, and I know you do, too. Well, I've always had a little bit of a guilt complex, which uh, is unnecessary. I suppose I have it because I feel my mother didn't ever work. She wanted to. She's a very fine seamstress, but my dad was the old-fashioned kind of a daddy and husband, and you will not work, I will provide, and that was it. There was no discussion about it. And I am with the children more than the average working mother, certainly, because in between pictures, I have, like, I just had three months off. Well, I was with the children all the time, and I always get up in the morning anyway with the babies, and we walk to school together, and we talk, and then I always call myself the home psychiatrist, <laughs> because I think when a mother is really needed, because they'd rather be with their friends than you anyway, but after dinner, when it gets dark, kind of, they become a little bit mellow and their problems start to come to the fore and they start thinking well Johnny doesn't like me and Jimmy did this and um, Car Carrie will have a girlfriend that maybe didn't talk to her that day I don't know you know and all these problems will come out so we sit and we talk when we as I put the children to bed I have like oh 45 minutes with each one which is I call it the home counseling and we discuss the problems and that's something my mother always did with me and I found it to be wonderful for me I didn't realize it then now looking back and having my own children they they love to discuss with me their particular problems and and I enjoy it because that way I know what they're thinking I'm close to them we share these secrets and so of course it brings us even closer together if that's possible so my my home life is one of being with Harry and the children, and occasionally we have friends over, but rarely really because we just don't have time. And while the children are small, I'd like to be with them because they'll leave us soon, sooner than we think. You know, it just suddenly is gone. That's what my, my mother always tells me that. And I just have the two. I'd like to have more, but at the time now I just have the two. And they will grow up pretty soon. And I was telling time. I was telling my daughter the other night I said uh, she was complaining because I was giving her so many instructions about certain things her appearance her clothes and her hair and her study habits and whatnot and she seemed to be overwhelmed at the moment she said mommy you tell me so much I, I you don't have to tell me so much and I just happened to add I said well I have so little time Lucy um, to tell you these things before you're before I won't uh, be around 
her eyes got very, very wide, and she said, why, what's the matter with you? And I said, oh, I didn't mean that, dear. I meant that I have so few years to... Right, uh, until she grows up. Till you grow up and are gone to a school or get married or whatever, and I have so little time to teach you these things. And perhaps it does sound like an awful lot right now, but please bear with me. It's just that you're 13 and a half. I only have three or four more years when you're really out on your own. That's and right. I've got to teach you all these things. It's a lot for them to learn, but the big thing these days is to make them believe that there are things that we can tell them uh, that are important. They just never believe that we That's understand right. any of their problems, even if it's about their, their face or their hair, they don't believe it. You know, it isn't really like before. We have magazines today, books, beauty parlors. You know, more than ever in, in the history of the world, shall we say, has the attention been to good grooming and hair conditioning and all of this. And most parents today really are versed on how to take care of hair and want their children to look good. It's really just because we care about them. If we didn't, of they course. could just grow up to be an old weed, you know. Right. <laughs> I guess every mother has the same problems. Oh, Debbie, our time is up again today. Thank you, darling. You have been really wonderful these last few days. This has been the real Debbie Reynolds, as they say. Are you loving Let's Talk to Lucy? Then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts.